Welcome to our next adventure with Chemology 411, a podcast about anything and everything. Kim and her guests will take you behind the scenes, behind the story, or behind the bar. So sit back, make sure your seatbelt is fastened, tray table in its upright position, all carry-ons stored under the seats. But for this adventure, electronic devices must remain on as we are ready to take off on our next adventure, introducing Kim Schultz and Kimology 411. Hi everyone and welcome to Season 4, Episode 159. The topic this evening is the young adults nowadays and their incorrect ideas about young adults in the 70s and the 80s. I am Kim Schultz and I'm your adventure coordinator for this show. Let's say hi to my co-host, Tyson Harley. These young adults these days, nowadays. Get out of my yard! We are no no longer... In that, quite We're in not that there. We're not there. So, just to start well, I out. I can tell you, though, I was at St. Louis Museum, and they had kind of like a Tough Mudder, uh, the city museum, they had kind of one of those Tough Mudder walls that you had to sprint at, and I had no problem getting up the big one. But still, chronologically, I'm not young <laughs> anymore. <laughs> well, the top, this topic, the, the topics always kind of come up when I go to respond to somebody on social media, TikTok, or whatever, and I erase it because I don't want to get into an argument. Um, and I also realize that we have so much paid propaganda out there to say things because you, you think that what they're saying they really believe, but reality is is that they set up these profiles and have these people say these things so that they can get in your head. It's kind of like that $15 per hour. Do you think it's also one of these a side hustle for some people? I think I think, think they get paid. Like, I think I think these people get paid and they say, I want you to go and I want you to start this new narrative. And um, I, I think it started really, I mean, it's been going on, but 2020 was a really good year. They, I do know that they have people being paid to say some bullshit stuff. And so <laughs> this kid, the kid that I'm talking about, he said, that they said, um, I don't understand why Gen Xers, this is, there's just a couple, there's a couple ones. This was a young, this was a young adult that said Gen Xers have absolutely no clue what it's like being a young adult in today's age. When they were my age, they could, they could work at minimum wage and they could afford to buy a house, live comfortably, have a car and have everything they ever needed just by making minimum wage. But the prices have gone up so much now that anybody making minimum wage today um, can't afford any of that stuff. And what got me was when they used the word minimum wage, because in the 70s and the 80s, we did not view minimum wage like they try to make us view it in the 2000s and the 2010s and the 2020s. The last 10 or 20 years, they've been trying to throw down our throat that livable wage is minimum wage and that all wages have to be a livable wage and we all know, and you can argue with me all day long, and I will argue against you, that at no point did they set up minimum wage to be a job that a guy or a woman goes, gets, takes minimum wage job, works their 40 hours, gets married, has children, buys a house and a car and their dog with a white picket fence, making minimum wage. It has never been It's called a, a thing. bell curve, okay? At, at the at the far end and, and proportionate to the skills and uh, the needed uh, and the experience needed is a low wage. And that right. also tends to be not full-time. Hello. And the right. idea as you go through life is to increase that. So, and if you don't do that, if you act like there's no far left end of the uh, bell curve on the skills needed in the wage, then your country loses jobs. Right, just, right. I mean, if you act like the, the least skilled jobs with the least experience should make... Uh, a, a much more. Now, I'm not saying that we shouldn't try to increase wages overall, but in, in that particular slice of looking at it, if someone should be making one quarter what somebody else makes because they're literally brand new and it's a, it's right. a very low skill job and they don't, they make the entirety of what someone else makes, 
those jobs are going to go elsewhere, and that might be automation or whatever. But well, yeah, and to your point, it's not. It's not. It's it's like part time stuff, right? It, uh, uh, and and beginning of your work right, life right. stuff, going so, to school, that type of a thing. So then the other comment that I wanted to talk that I wanted to bring up was it was a guy and he said, when I was raised. It was told that you are in the house, and when you turn 18 years old, you either get a job and move out, or you go to college and move out. And at 18 years old, you were supposed to be able to financially go and move out of your house. And that's what parents were telling their kids. That was it. And I used to tell my kids that, but now, with the economy the way it is, I have, I guess we probably should tell our kids it is okay for you to live with us as long as you want to. And that struck a chord with me because I was like, okay, well, first of all, I was never told to move out. I moved out when I was 19 years old. I got married when I was 19 years old. We lived in an apartment and we struggled. My daughter is, she moved out when she was 24 years old because she moved out after she graduated from college. At no point did I tell her to leave the house. I didn't care if she was here. All I told her is when you leave the house, you don't come back to the house as a free person to live here. Once you become an adult, you pay full bills as if you were a tenant at this place. That's right. what I told my daughter. And so when you're telling your kids this and you're like, you know what? It's so tough out there. You're First of all, you're giving your kids this bad sense of life of you're never going to be able to get out of this house. You're never going to be able to do this. And I'll be honest with you. I like empty nesting. I like not having my daughter and not having someone here. I, I think couples need to realize that your children do need to go someplace else at some point in their life. And a lot of these parents, they're so dependent on that that parenting that they have no intention of ever letting their children leave <laughs> and they're fine with that but it's 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 almost a selfish in my brain this is chemology it's a selfish want so we have all of these kids who are they're, they're trying to tell you now they're trying to say we can't do it on our own and now you've got adults saying it's okay you can just live with me as long as you want you don't have to go out and you know what live with your parents. I have no problem with that. But when you're telling a 15 and 16 year old kid that I don't care if you live here and you're not giving them any hope or any dreams that it's possible to do that, what you should be telling them is if you want to live on your own, these are the careers you need to be interested in. Electrician, plumbing, doctor, uh, accounting, lawyer, um, business, something that you see that you can make the money to live on your own. But if you're just telling them, you know what, this economy is really bad. I don't think you're, you know, you just stay here as long as you want. What kid is going to be like, okay, like, why am I going to go get a job when mom and dad pay for all my bills? We're not teaching them the correct thing. I'm not saying don't let them stay at your house while they're pursuing the possibility of an education or working up in a job so they can get the hell out of your house. Now, this is the American culture. That's not in the other cultures. In the other cultures, they all just live with each other. And that is their culture. And if that's going to be the American culture, thank fucking God I had children in the other culture because I'm not having my son and my son-in-law live in my house with me. I'm not going to do it. It is their responsibility to figure it out. Go in the military. If you honestly want to make sure you have a job, do the military. Yeah, that's I mean, what, that's what got me out of the house quickly. Even though I would have gone straight to college and full rides and I not screwed it up. And that's just the truth of it. It's not me bragging or exaggerating. Right. Uh, so I would have gone out, out of the house but man, if you don't have a reason to leave your hometown, and if you don't live in a in a town with like some good work for that, what am I going to do in the next? To your point, in the next three to five years. But that's okay. What I'm doing now is just kind of what I can do now. But I've got dreams to do more. But is it at least decent? You know, it's harder when you don't leave the town. Uh, but yeah, it's kind of a it's kind of a mixed bag. You know, because I think around, I'm probably wrong, but as a group. We are fostering staying at home more. Of course, each individual case is an individual case. We're talking about as a, as across the population group. 
and staying longer and even our like our, our tax incentivizations help with that right uh, and I can't remember what it was it's maybe insurance or maybe like lender stuff or depend it's the dependence how old someone can be and be kind of a partial dependent. 24 yeah it's like the 24 if they're a full-time student if they may have a job and make more than like 4500 or close to 5000 then they're not a dependent anymore and they're not on your taxes. So you get no bit tax benefit. But for that them didn't anymore. used to be, right? I mean, yeah. hasn't that been extended? No. Something I mean, like that. The insurance has, has been extended till they're 26 years old I'm or whatever. I thought that's insane. Where, where they have to pay more? For insurance, they, or, no, or, they they oh, are covered it. by their parents. They're that's covered it. by their parents. That's it. So Which they're married. They're thing. married. They're married, and each of their parents still have them on their insurance. That I have no problem with all of that kind of stuff. Helping these people because it is expensive. And guess what? Unfortunately, you're not going to get have. You're not going to have jobs that have insurance policies going forward. These companies have now realized that they they don't have to offer. Well, you want you want to make twenty five dollars an hour. I'm going to give you $25 an hour, but what we're not going to do is we're not going to do 401k. We're not going to do health insurance. We're not going to do all the extras. And guess what? The company ends up saving money on that. You get $25 an hour and you are now in charge of doing your own money. And the, but, most but, people but want to do that. what's worse is it really just contributes to the divide. Right. Because for some people, they have to provide benefits and the benefits are only get, getting getting more and more expensive. You don't because have to. Why do you have to? Because you have to if it's your over 30 hours. And so for the people who aren't No, you aren't have to if you have to if everybody has it. But a company can say, we don't have any I mean health, health insurance. What? You don't have to have health insurance. If nobody gets health insurance, you don't have to have health insurance at a company. No, that's not required by law. It's only required by law that all people are offered health insurance if you offer health insurance through your company. So if if Goodyear decided, you know what we're going to do? We're eliminating all of the health insurance. Nobody makes them have health. That's a benefit. To, that's a benefit that makes people want to work there. So they have it, but new companies—they're not—they're not offering health insurance. I thought that I if see it, was, it all the if time. If it was full time, you had to have, no. you had to offer health insurance. No, no. And then the marketplace, no. the Obama and uh, what you call it, marketplace, is just no. as an alternative if you wanted no. to, or if you don't have full time. Mm-mm. No, you don't. You don't. You work. You work for public sector. But if you go to a private business now, and I I can name five private businesses, they don't offer health well, insurance. Well, yeah, but I don't mean small ones. No, nope, I'm a not talking. Th- th- this one has a corporate office, okay. and they've got they've got offices in nine different I'm, states. I was gonna say I'm, I'm sure no there are insurance. somewhere it's like yeah, if it's a small shop, that's nope. one thing. Nope. Uh, but health, anyway, health what my, my point still holds. Although I that surprises me, but I believe you. But my point still holds that as there are some jobs where they are going to spend money because they have to to get those people in. And you know what that means? They spend even less money on the low part-time people or they make more jobs part-time right. and make five part-time I'm people sorry. exactly and a, a worse job right. than three instead of full full-time people, right. even with the same number of hours to cover. Right. Uh, because they just it becomes a less, uh, a, a the, less prestigious job. So with Obamacare, it, they said, if you don't, so it, in order to have the, 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 the management or the owners to have health insurance through their company, they have to offer health insurance to everybody. So what they are doing, and they will do this more, I'll tell you right now, they're going to give the packages to, they're going to say, we're not, we don't have health insurance, but you know what we're going to do? We're just going to give you an extra $25,000 a year. And this is your health. And you're going to buy your own health insurance because we don't want to pay for people's health insurance. If you guys want to keep getting all the money, they're going to have to cut something. And health insurance is a huge, huge expense. Yeah. So you are correct. When they changed it from, and it's, it, it used to be 33 hours, 32 hours was part-time, 33 hours. Then they moved it down to 30 hours. And what happened in our culture? They put everybody down to 29 hours. So now they just lost it. They fought for just, it to get the insurance and then they lost money remember, because they're, they don't have to work you certain hours. Policies have consequences. Correct. So when you try to work toward utopia and yep. someone goes, yeah, but then this is going to happen. Then when it happens, you know, that was predictable. Right, and people it's did pretty good. It. So anyway, when it comes to young adults, the one thing that stuck out in my head was, I get the fact that you're not going to be able to buy a house. 
making minimum wage. But we didn't buy a house in the 70s and 80s making minimum wage. In 1970, the minimum wage, federal minimum wage, was $1.60. $1.60. That was our minimum wage. So that was not the minimum salary. If you look at probably, if you if you were to go to 1970 and you were look to look at the average salary wage, versus the minimum wage and then look at our minimum wage now and look at the average salary wage it was probably a bigger gap because back in the 70s and i was telling you earlier um, in the 70s it just makes sense to me that's when we were inflexing the workforce with women because you had the women's the the women's right stuff women were coming for, instead of staying home you're suddenly your work your task your workforce is becoming much bigger right your so workforce you've got is coming more supply. and people are like oh my gosh you know what instead of paying this person fifty thousand dollars a year and 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 we can have two people doing that job and it would make sense we can pay them each thirty five thousand dollars so when that person's gone we're gonna hire these two people in and now our wages start to our our, our income starts to kind of go down a little bit because Companies, instead of running on five people, are going to have 15 people or 10 people growing growing them in there. Anyway, in 1988, when I bought a house, I bought a house in 1988. I was born in 1966. So in 1986, I got married. In 1987, I moved into this house. And in 1988, into January, I bought this house. I got it very inexpensive. I got it probably $25,000 cheaper than it would have sold on the market. But Dutch and Gertrude lived here. My mom was the executive of the estate. The kids of Dutch and Gertrude thought this house was just, it was just a shack because they all lived in nice houses. One's a doctor in Washington and the other ones lived in Wichita. And so I gave this price. I said, it's a fair price. They each would get this much money from the sale of the house. And we had to put a lot of work into the house. So we bought our house. And in 1988, our interest rate was 10 point, like 10.5, 10.6%. Yeah. That, it because, was over 10%. Because when you were talking about this, it's not just, you can understand the basic metrics. What was minimum wage and what was the average house? If you really just wanted to really, really compare. But the other thing that you threw in was very important because that's very widely over the decades is the uh, interest rate the interest and rate. uh and and they, it was a lot higher you said what um 11 what'd you say 10.77 it was yeah see was i and I, I found a better homes and gardening around 80 it had 13.7 as the average 30 yep. percent year fixed now think of that 13.7 now the banksters heads would explode because right. they wouldn't they, they wouldn't have enough people wanting to take out loans yeah uh and and, this- and, and in 1990 so remember 80 we were just getting past I think it was probably engineered against poor Jimmy Carter a little bit, but regardless, we were in a tough spot right in right. 1980, 13.7. But even in 1990, the average 30-year fix was 10.1%. Yeah. So to your point, it's one thing to kind of understand the average uh, household income versus the average house of value or cost, but it 10.1 and 13.7 is a huge difference between more recently when it's been closer to like three and four percent. Right. When you talk about uh, the cost, the uh, final cost of a house and right. your house payments. Right. And Big my difference. and 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 this was another thing. So what they don't realize nowadays is, especially in the city of Topeka, our property tax on our vehicles was outrageous, and it was probably in the 80s. And then maybe the 90s, because I remember this happening. They went through and they cut them and they stopped because your property tax wasn't going down. And if you bought this, and mind you, if you bought a new vehicle um, back in the day, they were $15,000. A new vehicle was sixteen, dollars $17,000. You might pay $19,000 for a, a, a really nice new car. Right. So when you would go in to pay your property tax, your property tax would be like $400. Now, let's look at the $400 because minimum wage is $3 an hour. $400 was a lot of money back then on a car that was $15,000. And now you're buying 27. I mean, a $36,000 car is not even batted an eye at. And they do like the 0.01 
interest rate because they just want you to buy their car and they and they finance it through there and right. they give you some rebates and things but reality is is that you still have you still have to pay the property tax and i can remember in shawnee county when we when they cut it i mean they cut it like 20 or 30% because we had gotten so high with our property tax and um I, I just remember that in the news. And so, it was almost like maybe even like we look bad bad compared to other uh, communities. Other, yeah, just trying to be like, whoa, we have to figure out. I mean, mind you, they're going to take it from somebody else. But so you've got you've got your you've got these myths that are out there. What is something that in the seventies and eighties we did not have? Let me tell you. We didn't have smartphones. We didn't have internet. We didn't we, have. Yeah, we have a lot more fixed, you know, uh, but almost like almost compulsory luxury items now. We didn't we have do. Amazon just to order. You went to Kmart. You went to the store. You bought with a check. You oh. didn't have credit cards. You had to use cash or a check. And credit cards came out when I was in high school. I remember my mom and dad getting a credit card. I remember my dad saying, this is going to destroy everybody. Because this has a, and I think it had like a $2,000 limit on it at a 25.9% interest rate. And if you put $2,000 on it, and today our interest rates are still high, and it's still, I just don't keep balances on him, but he was like, it would take you a year and a half to pay off this $2,000 if you made the minimum payment. And then, (laughs) and, and. It was, it was like, and all you have to do on that $2,000 is have to pay $8 a month and $6 of that was interest. And how long is that going to take you? But you know what we didn't do is we didn't have the technology, the computers, the spreadsheets for anybody to come down and sit down and figure out all this. You couldn't go online to look up how bad it was. We were the, the we were the, the guinea pigs of that Are you generation early 80s or late yeah, 70s yeah it was it would have been yeah. it would have been it would have been like when i was in high school in the mid 80s is when my dad got the first credit card credit cards have been around since the 70s but they were not something that you use in your personal it was more of a business expense yeah like businesses would put it on there and i can remember <laughs> your little machine but a lot of people didn't have them same with debit cards now everything is a debit card every account has a debit card you have to get paid through auto you don't get paychecks anymore at kmart when i worked there we got paid in cash you walked back to the thing and you got your cash and you know why they paid us in cash same thing as tips for i don't know why because the back of the store is where you had to take the get your money, right? And you had to go right next to where the layaway was for the people who were like, I have to get this and put it on layaway. So you would get paid. You would go make your layaway payment. You would have to walk through the entire store and be like, I'll buy this, I'll buy this, I'll buy this. <laughs> By the time you left, you left 20% of your paycheck at Kmart a because quite, it a, was a, cash. A, a, very, a quite plausible conspiracy it was, theory. Yes. I'll give you that. Could you imagine how much money they had in that cash cage? How much cash to pay all the managers, the whole staff at a Kmart? Do you know how ridiculous that would not happen nowadays? I think people nowadays? now don't quite understand quite as much. Uh, on the one hand, it's like, well, I always have my money. But there's something about having cash burning a hole in your pocket. There yeah. really is. You're seeing there this is. Like, And once you break that 20, gone. You can hold that 20 for two weeks, but man, you break it and make it $19, it's gone. Isn't that true? I actually have cash right now uh, as a rarity um, because I went went on that trip. Uh, So actually, actually I haven't spent it all yet, and I don't even know why. I like to have cash now when I remember to go to a restaurant so I can tip in cash, but most of the time I forget to get cash even for that. Well, so I just want... want you know, I just want to talk a little bit about the difference between now and the 70s and 80s, because we had to work our asses off back in those days. We didn't have the luxuries that they have nowadays that everybody takes for granted because they believe that everybody is it we should have the Internet. Everybody should have access to a smartphone. And there were everybody office should jobs, have. but there weren't like computer jobs everywhere. There you know, were there, my there dad was in computers. Jobs. My dad was in computers at Santa Fe. There were computer jobs, but yeah. they were they were for corporations, 
and you didn't have an education because there was no education for them. They literally brought you in and taught you how to use When you say working hard for it, that's why I was thinking of the, you know, some of the... No, we worked hard for it. We did construction jobs. We, we, um, had, we would work multiple jobs. You, 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 you always were going to figure out how to come up with the money and nobody else was going to get the money for you. You didn't get second mortgages. You didn't just run and go get a loan. You couldn't just go to the bank and say, Hey, I want to go get this loan. And I want to, you know, I want to put, Yeah, we talked about on some episode and it surprised me, but it also made sense as I look back that, you know, we talked about the frailties of the FICA score and what it really doesn't catch as far as granularity. And because it doesn't, it gets really odd. And before, it's it's kind of like this idea of if we go towards technocracy, then we'll just have a wonderful feel for just how creditworthy somebody is, except that then you stupidly don't put the human element into it. It should have always been a helper. And back then, you had to go talk to your banker and try to convince them. So, you know, so there was definitely a human element there. And I almost feel like in some cases people would get loans that couldn't it could now. Um, so but so my friend got a loan for whatever reason. Because she, they've had the, the, the account at the same through, bank forever. And nope, all you gotta do is look at the history. Through, but I those, mean back then. through those bad loan people. This was in the nineties. Yeah. And those people come out like those those um those title loan places and all that right. stuff. Anyway, they come up with this loan, and she went and got. I think it was like a like a thousand dollar loan, and she was paying every month. She was paying like forty six dollars on this thousand dollar loan, and five dollars was going towards the principal. Yeah, and the rest of it was finance fees, interest, and so anyway, she came over to me and was like, was telling me, you know, I have to make this payment. And mind you, when you're making three dollars and forty five cents an hour, and you're trying to live on your own and trying to do what you need to do, forty five dollars, forty five dollars is a lot of money. It's and like it's like just throwing around an extra two fifty right now. It's like two fifty will get not everybody who's listening, right. but around median income, a middle America. 250 is finally what gets your attention as to as far as what you're oh man that seems like a waste right what to almost all the 250s not going towards my principal right you know so she five was a lot back she then. came to me and it was in the 90s and that's when in the 90s is when they started doing credit cards with zero percent interest so you could do balance transfers and you could do cash advances for zero percent and i got one in the mail and i said I will pay off your loan. I'll pay that loan off. And then all you have to do is pay on this credit card. It'll just be your credit card. Nothing else will go on it. It's a 0% interest and you need to pay $25 a month to get this thing paid off. And she said, she was like, deal. And then I told her, because I had daycare, I said, if you come and clean the house, I will put $20 towards it when I pay the payment, which will make the $45 you were making it. She paid it off in probably seven months. We got the whole thing paid off and done. She's still a dear friend of mine, and she lives in a million dollar, $1.6 million house now, and has always been there for Those me. Those folks not near this city, that might be a $3 million house where you yeah. live. And the, the, uh, um, but she's always taking care of me and she always remembers that she always, you know, like she always thinks about that to, of helping people out when you can help people out. That is what, that is what you could do. But we would get those loans. We would get those loans and you can't ever get out of that debt when you get the old loans that we used to have before. So we didn't have any, we didn't have any of that. We had to, we, our cars, when we bought a car, the cars, like I said, $15,000 with a new car, my cars cost $400. I think my one was $750 and there was a 78 rabbit. And I got that in 1980, like 84. So it was an older car for $750. I loved it. It was such a cute car. Forgot about Five those. speed. It was it was a good car, but we didn't have I mean, my mom and dad, I was very lucky. We had enough of what we needed, but my dad worked two jobs and my mom did daycare. So they always worked and my dad did work at Santa Fe, which is BNSF now. 
So he had a pretty good job, but the, but square dancing also made him a lot of money. And my mom also, you know, did the daycare. So we kind of always had everything that we needed. I thought we were rich. We were not rich because my dad knew how to save money. My dad knew how to buy and he always wanted the best of everything. But I still knew that you had to work hard and I needed to be able to make enough money. And at no point in the 90, in the in the 80s was somebody making $3.35 went out and bought a house. $3.30 averages to about $7,000. i am going to be devil's advocate, but not to say you're wrong, just because I pulled some numbers up and did some quick ratios here. So you can say whether some of these are weird or not. And I'll add that, hey, you're not wrong to say it's not uh, it's it's uh, not hard financially these days. It's just that you might be dismissing how uh, if a, a young person said that. Right. It's not that it's not hard financially these days. It is. But you might be exaggerating if you think the 70s and 80s were just fl- free and easy. Yeah, like we had every, um, like everything was there so, for us. So here, here I'm going to give you the median house. Now, you can't compare it to your market. You just can't. You just got to look at the ratios from year to year uh, uh, because it's the median across the entire United States and versus the median household income. So 1960 uh, median household income, which sounds weird. Maybe I should have. I didn't. I didn't do these. These must be because some people are working part time. Because they also had an average individual income, and I didn't understand how that's more than the median household income in every single year. The household. I think they're looking at a, a family, a two income, like a two. I know, person. but but it's smaller. That's why I did, did understand why, huh, may, unless weird. they flip them around. Uh, so I'm going to go with that, but just to get a sense of comparison, so you can see how it goes over the years. So median income, 1963 k I'm not sure how that can possibly be, but that's what it said. And that also went in, in line with average individual income, which was 3700 And And so with that, um, the average house was 11900 so four times as much. As this median, these these couple of medians, four times as much. So four years worth of income for the median income. That's a pretty nice house right now if it was four times. It's a decent house, okay? In 1970, still around four times because in 1970, the uh, the median was around 4,500. So it went up significantly. Average income was closer to 6,000, 5,600. And the house was 17000 instead of about 12000 So you're still looking at about four times. Like it would be four years worth of income, give or take, if you look at one number. Then in 1980, you go to, it's a big giant jump. It's a really large jump, actually. It's twice as much, and that I guess that's inflation, uh, in income. Uh, in both median household and average, in, it's around ten thousand, a little under ten thousand for median, a little over but, eleven for. Uh, I'm, I'm just comparing ratios. Go well, ahead. I know, and no, I'm just saying, in 1970, the minimum wage was a dollar sixty. In 1980, it's three thirty-five. So sure. it, that was the big jump of where it went up 120%, just a minimum yeah. wage. Yeah, so the minimum wage probably did help, which, as I said with the libertarian, the, the thing is that those little jumps can help if it, all things being equal, but they need to be considered in. Uh, you know, it's not always like how much, how soon, and is it to keep up with with uh, with inflation, uh, but it can also cause inflation. So. You get to 1980, and the average is around nine to eleven thousand dollars for median, depending on which way you measure it. But the house has gone way up too; it's forty-seven two. So you're still talking um, around three and a half to four times, three and a half to four years worth of income for the median house. In 1990, it's popped up uh, again considerably, somewhere in the range of seventeen thousand to twenty-one thousand, because now we're just in straight inflation mode. I mean, after eighty, it just goes up a lot. Well, the average house is now eighty thousand almost. So you're still talking about four four years worth of income, right? So you're still at four. A uh, funny thing happens in two thousand. You're at twenty five to thirty three thousand. I know it's a big leap in the measurements, um, and that's that's an income twenty five to thirty three thousand. The house is a hundred and twenty. So now you're closer. Well, it's still around four, depending on which measurement you go at. It's four four years or so worth of income. Um, 2010, the average income based on what how you look at it, and this is more like what you're, it's somewhere between 30 and 54. I don't know why the wide gap, it, but that's what it said. 
30 to 54, but the average house was 220. So if you look at 220 and go the average uh, individual income at 54, there's your about four years worth. But if you use a smaller one, it's closer to five or six years worth. And then in 2020, I guess, I don't really feel like we had a lot of inflation at the beginning of 2020 because none of all this extra you know, money had been thrown into the system yet. So I think it's pre the recent stuff. 45 to 67K, depending on where you're looking, median household or average in, in individual income. And that was weird because that was off of like a census thing. So I was confused why they didn't match up. But the uh, all of a sudden, the average house is 337,000. So you're talking like five to uh, six to eight years, which was kind of odd. Five, five to eight years. But in all those cases, they were give or take four to seven years worth of. And the other thing, too, is that we don't know what the lowest in. Remember, that's median. Like, starter home price. Right, because I'm in a starter home. Yeah, I'm in a starter home, too. So how did the starter home price increase? Because that may not be really any worse. Like, this, the fact that this is a 337000 it could be just because of the income disparity now. So median, remember, isn't average. So if it's if it's median, it's just the middle one in the list. Usually, if it's fairly well distributed, it comes close to average. But it may be that 337 is a lot uh, less of a indicator of you know how much the entry home has started than some of the other medians were before because the gap may be so much larger. Right. You know, and what in with the wealth gap, so. It may be that the much higher price in 2020 was reflective of a lot more homes being $4 million homes. Um, That's weird. That's weird. So and you're saying in the 80s, and that had to be in like the first of the 80s. You're saying nine. So my income was like $24,000 a year. My husband and I, he was making eight fifty an hour, and I was making less than like four dollars, four fifty an hour. Well, that's not bad. This over here is you said yours was twenty four. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I don't know. I, I pulled those numbers. That's exactly what they said they were. It, average individual income. But- and he did construction. So my ex husband did construction. Eight fifty was pretty good because minimum wage was still three thirty five. You were a truck driver. You were making great money in the nineties before the deregulated. And yeah. no, the eighties. You're making very good money. Truck drivers in the 80s were already making, they were making more than my dad was as a superintendent because I remember hearing that going, how is my how is my uncle making more than my dad is as a superintendent? Well, long haul trucking is a hard work and they needed them. Right. You know, and the one way you think, really, that doesn't, that, that, that's not a lot of things you have to do. That doesn't seem fancy. You got to not wreck and you have to get the stuff there and you got, and you got crappy hours. So you, you know, made good money uh, truck driving. So to your point, you had the right type of income. Uh, so we made 13 see? We made $13 an hour. Between the two of you? Mm-hmm. So about 27 28 in total. Yeah, I don't know why it says median household was 93 and average individual was 116 Because you'd think, well, shouldn't it be about twice that? Because we were more likely back then... A little bit more likely to have uh, um, double incomes so let's see uh, in previous so decades. Thirteen. There's more double income households eight, back then than there are now. Maybe not a lot, but definitely more. You know, statistically, there were more double uh, uh, income households uh, in 1980 than there are now. Um, so yeah, I couldn't tell you. I just an approximate estimate is that, and every single year it was around four years worth of the median income. Give or take in that range, four, and then at the high end, if you if you took the lowest income measure, you could get up to seven to eight. But if you took the higher income measure, you're still back at four to five years. So if you could just throw all of your gross income at your house, you're talking about a half decade. But of course, we can never do that. It's kind of like what you're saying. It's like. Well, how much actually goes towards principal? <laughs> right. You know, how much of 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 your so cost of living actually my, goes towards you know paying on for my, your house? On my on my house, 
we paid seven to eight thousand dollars a year just on interest for the first probably 15 years that's insane but i got a tax credit so i got half of it back in cash on my tax return because we fell into first time hire home buyers credit but most people did not get that because we were poor and we got that so at the end of the year we'd get back five thousand dollars on our taxes free and clear from that from our home mortgage tax credit but we would bring home so we we would make like two thousand dollars and so it's just it's just us so you take two thousand dollars times 25 so we're let's just say fifteen hundred dollars is what we would bring home right we have no car payments because we have five hundred dollar cars we have our insurance and it's high insurance. So we're paying $100 a month for his insurance because he likes to drive really fast. So you have $100. Our house payment was about $500 that we paid a month. And then we had our utilities was probably $150 a month and then $200 for food. So five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. So we had $500 and that would have been to buy clothes and essentials and all that kind of stuff. And we and we just made it. Just like just made it off of the $12 an hour that we were both making working yeah, 40 both. hours a week. 40 hours a week. Hey, look at some of my paychecks. Now granted it was military. But but let me say this. My house, I got it. I got it for $30,000 less than what somebody normally would have bought this house for because I got it on a thing. So my house payment should have probably have been more like seven or $800 and then I wouldn't have been able to afford this house. Us being married and buying this house what it was valued at without the, having to put all the money the into it. The percentage is huge. Uh, yeah. I mean, the 10 to 13%. And remember there was that whole adjustable rate thing too. Uh, those could get scary. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. So anyway, I just want people to I just want people to recognize that when you hear people talking like this on the social media, those people, a lot of them are getting paid because first of all, these young kids don't even know what they're talking about half the time. They're just spewing out a script of trying to convince other people that we had it so easy back in the day you know what that reminds me of your little cons uh your conspiracy theory and you know me that that doesn't even mean anything bad for me it's kind of like when um people when black people start embracing the word that i'm not going to say it's like go ahead i'm embracing it now what now what so me too. I, I embrace conspiracy theory because there are them because there's such things as conspiracies but this idea that someone would just be paid just to uh uh to spew a narrative yep as I'm thinking, okay, how am I going to get income for my for my podcast? Well, one thing, remember, I have a radio background. I never liked the idea that I'm supposed to read an, a commercial. I don't know your product. I shouldn't be the voice of your product as a DJ. But right. that's what everybody wants, right? Yeah. So uh, it's like, I'm uninformed. Did I really go check out the mattress or am I supposed to go, man... Man, go buy such and such because they've got those blue mattresses, which are magnificent. So I was, it's funny you were saying that because I was just thinking if I did that, literally in the last day, I was like, I would say, listen, just give me your canned spot or I will give a spot, but I will not do a testimonial because I'm not comfortable with that. Right. Uh, now, it, when and if I actually do know it, I will. Uh, but so I know that people will say what they wouldn't otherwise say yeah, for money. But but they're. But I I always think it is like more like ads. I don't think that they would also just go let just go go spin this narrative and that's your side hustle. You want the side hustle? Well, then spin think, this narrative. But think about this. Think about when they said to when they went into and this is going to sound horrible, but it's my podcast, so I'm going to say it. When they go into low wage, low skilled jobs. And they say to them, you're worth so much more than this. This job is worth more than this. You are worth more than this. And they're like, uh, what? 
They're like, I wouldn't do this job. I wouldn't. Mind you, they're getting paid tons of money to go in here because this isn't coming from the people working. They're just going to bitch. I don't care if you're making $75,000 a year. You're still bitching that you're not making eighty-five dollars or $95,000 a year. Nobody cares. I mean, it. but the more educated you get, the more and in, more into doing this. You're, you're, you're doing a job that nobody's ever made more than $9 for. And someone comes in and says, you're worth $15 an hour. And these people are like, no, I don't think we are, we are. And so they go in and they get these people and they, and they tell them. And so they're like, you know what? We want $15 an hour. And they plant people in there, probably still paying them. And this could be a conspiracy theorist, but to me, this just makes sense. And it would be a great way to do it. You place people in there that are getting paid on the outside to go in there and tell them, I deserve to make more money than this. And you know what happens? Unfortunately, what happens is those poor souls in there that were just going home and, and, and struggling every day, doing the job that they knew how to do. I see where you're going. Go ahead. Are replaced by college graduates, computers, and the jobs are gone. So look at what happens when you go into a low in, a low wage job and you try to tell people that you've got to increase this to a wage that has never been seen before, never even heard of. All you're doing is eliminating low wage jobs. And you know what does suck because people see this and it, it it's this idea. Unfortunately, at this job or that job that is a low paying job, there are people who never moved from it. And or because they they did not have uh, good financial plans, or if you just want to say bad financial luck, now they're back at these low jobs, and it's kind of heartbreaking to see somebody, you know, in their sixties doing this job alongside teenagers. But you know, uh, but in, in, in my that, days, yeah. when you worked at when you worked at Kmart, and I was hired at three dollars and forty five cents an hour, not three thirty five. Minimum wage is three forty five. The full-time people during the day didn't make three forty-five an hour. They made five or six dollars an hour, which doesn't sound like a lot now, but it's double what I made because it was their full-time job. They had benefits. They had everything. My 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 job. They hired me in at three forty-five. My manager wasn't making five dollars an hour managing the entire shoe department. I can guarantee you she was making at least twenty-five or thirty thousand dollars a year, and that's in nineteen eighty-two. So that's a nice wage for a single mom to be making running a shoe department that has three employees in it, because the company owned the. the department inside the Kmart's. So I know she's not doing all this work for $12,000 a year. I know that she's making more money than that. I know just because I knew and hung out with other like the cashier people, they made more money than what I made because I was just a part-timer. Part-timers didn't get paid the same as a full-time employee. I don't know when the shift happened. You say that's a huge ratio. And I think as, as, as I look at our society and go, how is management so bad? I wonder if it's because they really do not do that. Well, of course, the manager makes five or six times what the, part, what the part-timers do. Of course they do. If without their managing, it's just all, it's just all a mess. So of course, we've got to make sure that uh, they get paid well when we find a good one. And I just don't feel like there are many managers that are making five or six times what the minimum minimum wage worker are. Do you know what a manager at McDonald's makes? With bonuses close to six figures. They also work 60 to 80 hours a week. Here I am. So what you're saying is I'm looking up all these project management principles and agile. And what I need to figure out is how, not even to say it myself, but how to get other people to say, do you want fries with that? Right. That's all. Well, and have to deal with all those kids and all those employees that are, and I'm sorry, I, I, I give them credit for working. It's a space in their life. And, right. And that's hard to deal as a group. That's nothing against the, the individuals. No. It's like you, you're just, as a manager, dealing with a lot of fluidity. Yeah. Um, and a Change. lot of troubles. Yes. So... Every generation, it's hard, it's going to be hard. Nobody had it easy. If you even go back into the 40s and 50s and think about what they had to go through and all the fighting and the and the race the race 
equality and changing and then living on farms. I mean, farms were around everywhere. You didn't have restaurants on every corner. We didn't have all the different stores. You didn't have Amazon. You didn't have the internet. You didn't, we all lived a simpler <laughs> life. And as we get older, as we get older, we have all the stuff that's supposed to help us. But all it does is it, 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 it takes away our freedom. It takes away our sanity. It well, takes away, it just rips so much stuff away. back to your away. original point, but back when we didn't have convenience on every corner, you know what we didn't spend as quick? All this convenience money. Yeah. You know, so part of it is if you went back to living and the spending habits back then, you're, you'd have a lot more money too. You would. Like if you wouldn't go with convenience store prices uh, and you wouldn't go out to eat, because back then we didn't eat you out didn't anywhere out near as much. Friday nights, maybe. And so if you really did fix all of your food, everybody knows this. I know this. I'm not doing it either, but just an emphasis. I am. Uh, if you, you know, if you were to fix 85% of your meals, you've just saved a lot of money. Yeah. And convenience stores weren't really a thing. I mean, it was like gas stations. Well, I can't remember. Gas stations had snacks, but until convenience stores started happening... You didn't, for some reason, pay three times for the same item what you would when the grocery store is right down there. Uh, and so that is added to prices. So if you uh, avoid I... avoid those areas where things are really expensive and go to the grocery store, also a way to save a lot. So they put Walgreens in low-income areas. It's more expensive to do Walgreens, but they've got a little bit of everything, and you can kind of find what you need there. So instead of paying $1.99 for a gallon of milk or $2 for a gallon of milk, you're paying $6 for a gallon of milk. Yep. And you're using your EBT card or your, or your food stamps at that time. But I can remember is back in our days where the convenience stores were, like you'd walk in there and Kmart, candy bar was 20 cents and you would go in there and they'd be like 80 cents 75 cents yep. and it wasn't cheaper and then all of a sudden some of the places were like we can't compete with all these different stores now because they can just go to Kmart Target Venture Walmart they, they have that so we kind of have to lower it a little bit now and we need to be a little bit better plus people started fighting against I think Walgreens when they had a big change um, because their strategy was to be placed in low-income places that did not have other stores around, forcing them to walk there to spend more money. And then we started ca campaigning going, you, why are you doing this to poor people? Like, unfortunately, we've talked about this in other podcasts, poor people pay more than rich people ever will. The poor people pay more for their checking account. Poor people pay more for their, their car loans, their house loans, because the richer you are, the less interest you get to pay, the free checking, the benefits that you get because you get rewarded for having money and you get you get punished for being poor. And that's the world. And that's a whole other podcast that we've already yeah, done. Uh, but again, though, you know, as far as when you think, oh, man, you guys had it easy. It's like, well, you remember, no. you remember, you know how much more careful people were with their monies in the 70s and 80s? Did you? Now you just, now we literally have apps that you pay for, which is a irony. It's probably that you pay for to go, hey, did you notice that you're wasting money here, 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 and here? Yeah. I mean, that's how just crazy you are with our automatic payments. Like there's literally an app. You know the one I'm talking about. Yeah. Where it says, hey, did you, are you even using this anymore? We noticed this is sitting here. What about this one? What about, you're like, oh, I'm still paying for that? Yeah. I totally forgot about it. We wouldn't forget about well, what we were paying for in the, we didn't in have the cell 70s phones. and 80s. You didn't know you had pay phones. You had to find a pay phone. You didn't know where your kids were. You didn't have any of this stuff going on that we have nowadays. So what I think what people need to realize is stop going back and and saying that that the way we lived our life back then is even affecting how you're living life today. I'm sorry, but if you want to live at home, live at home. If your parents want you to stay with them forever, God help them. I think that is, I think that I, I, I could not and I would not go back to live with my parents. I just, and my parents never said I had to leave the house. My parents never said, when you get to be 18, you got to leave. All I kept saying is when I'm 18, I'm out of here. I am out of here. And then I went to school and then I was like, I got married 
and I left. And it wasn't even a bad house. I just needed to be an adult. And it was stupid that I wanted to be an adult. My daughter, the same thing. I said, as long as you're in college, you can stay here and live here. I really wish my daughter would have gone to college and she would have lived in a dorm and she would have made friends and she would have made those memories. But that's not the person she was. And I'm not going to inflict my wants and my what I regret in my life doing. I'm not going to inflict it on her. I let gave her the choice. Whatever the you other, want to do. Uh, the last little conspiracy theory on that is if, if someone's going to side hustle pay you to spin a narrative that you don't know anything about think of why they're doing that right because a lot of times it's because we want such and such to pay for such and such and you know what ends up ba- being behind that in the end the banksters i mean no yeah, i'm serious there's, there's somebody the, with the central the central government money did you know that this is something i just read yesterday we are now up to paying a trillion dollars per year of interest and if you tell me that that's compassionate, well, then then I say that you're incredibly wrong. Because what are you going to do? Um, shut down programs? No, we need to try to get into the black so that the money that does come out of taxpayers' pocket actually goes towards the benefits. It's right. a trillion dollars a year. Not going to food stamps, not going to no. anywhere except just for the interest payments. Right. So when you hear, you got to understand that it's such a big scam yep. that they have the money and they would want to increase it to no, 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 no. We don't you think that don't you yeah. think that that should be paid for? Yeah, but it's not. It's yeah. it's debt. Got, it's we, debt ridden. And 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 we're not going to pay off your student loans. We're not going to buy you a house. We're not going to give you a car. We're not going to because that's not the community. That's not that is not what the United States is based on. We're not we're not just going to give you stuff free even though they try to make you think that that's a better way of living. You need to you need I'd to I'd be okay with if we're in the black. I mean, for for being you know, really strategic decisions. I mean, I'm a libertarian, so I really think in the end it would be better. But if we're at least in the black, I could so much more easily live with where is the right place to take this money? We are in a surplus and let's have those conversations. But we don't even have them anymore. We just say spend the money. Yeah, but if you had and a then, surplus, so, you cut taxes and just give it back to the people so that they well, could, yeah, yeah, that they could afford there, their, they could it, afford the stuff that they need. But at least we're not adding spending that's literally debt-based from the very, very right. beginning. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, we were just ranting about that. I just want people to realize when you're watching a lot of these different videos, you're going to realize, and I don't believe hardly any of them, especially on TikTok when I go back and I look, and they've got like, 250,000, 5 million followers, and they have like seven videos up, those are all paid. That's literally through TikTok, giving them a platform to be able to put out their propaganda of this one thing. And and you've got to understand it does happen. Don't don't be dumb to the fact that these people are real. Yeah, they're a real person, but in the but that's their job. That, that's their job. And for anybody to say that that we were buying houses at $1.60 an hour, they were going out on $1.60. People weren't making $1.60 in 1970 when they were out working a full-time job. They weren't, that's not what you got paid. $1.70 was completely different. And we have changed what minimum wage is through the fact of, like we said, adding on jobs and lowering wages so that more people can make the jobs. Instead of the husbands making enough money to support a family, now we're just going to make the same amount of money, but have two people having to do the job. That's kind of what happens. So we wanted the woman to be in the workplace. And I say, hey, that's, that's fine. But everything you change has a consequence at the end. And there's always a consequence. And the consequences right now that we're living is we're getting ready to go into a huge, huge, huge crash. A huge crash. Supposedly, uh, real estate prices went down for the first time in a long time. But that's only because they just rose so far. Yeah, but they're going to like it's, it's, it's about to crash. But it's, to your point, to, yeah, yeah, I don't think that bubble can last. But mm-hmm. we're, we're not financial experts. Nope, we're not. But I'm telling you, it's going to happen. I already have a feeling, and it's supposed to have happened already. And it got stopped, and that is going to be a really bad thing. It should have busted a couple years ago or a year ago, and it would have been a little bit better, a little bit less, but it's just getting bigger, 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 and then it's just going to go crash. And I know, I know, and I'll tell you when I get off here because I'm not going to put it on a podcast, but I know exactly why and when it's going to happen. And my friend the other day goes, oh, you're right. 
You're right. So anyway, all right, guys, thank you so much for giving us your time. We always appreciate our listeners. Um, go to Kimology411 on Facebook. Join the group. Leave us a message. Um, thank you, Tyson, for making Kimology411 so awesome in our season four. Yes, and um, I also have a few good things uh, on cue, or rather they're up now by the time you're listening to this uh, from the last week over at the scales of truth so covered some pretty good stuff over there so check that out if you've uh if you're a fan or even if you're not go check it out i lord knows i have plenty of stuff over there now i've got something like over 130 episodes nice i'm so proud of you so there, there's a big catalog i put up some new ones on some day trips and some day and my updated on the dating one so you guys thank you so much for um continuing to support us And we'll talk to you guys soon. And don't forget to take all of your adventures. Bye-bye.